0: 2020. How many of you guys are old enough to remember the Y2K scare? 2000. Here we are, 20 years later. <laughs> Amen. Happy New Year. I'm so excited about what God is going to do for us this year. And, uh, and not only as a church corporately, but for each of us individually. And, uh, and on this... Uh, On this very first Sunday of this new decade, I want to welcome you to 40 Days of Prayer, which is our spiritual campaign to kick off this year. Somebody said, woo, yeah, that's a good thing. Every year, if you're new to Life Church, every year we kick off the year with a series that is designed to challenge us to grow spiritually. And also with the time of focused prayer and fasting, Pastor Pavey, you already heard him talk about that 21 days of prayer and fasting. And uh, Carol leaned up and said, basically, if it tastes good, spit it out. <laughs> <You know>? So, <laughs> uh, so I, But I want to challenge you during this 40 days of prayer campaign. I, I want to pray that you will join us in either the 21 days of prayer and fasting, which is a Daniel's fast, or a media fast, a partial fast, a juice fast, a three-day fast, whatever. I just want to challenge everybody to be a part of this for at least... Part of the time, amen, if you're a member of this church family. Also, uh, the 40-day New Testament challenge. The bookmark is there on your seats. We want you to take those home with you today. It's a strong challenge. I'm not going to pretend it's not for for the weak of heart. It's a strong challenge to read the New Testament in 40 days. Take the reading guide with you and challenge yourself. But let me say this, even if it takes you 60 days or 80 days or 120 days, Or the whole year. If you read the New Testament in 120 days, would you really consider that a failure? No way. Take that challenge with you and uh, read the New Testament this year. 40 days of prayer. Uh, which is the prayer guide that is there. You can follow together. I want to ask you, if you remember this church beginning today, uh, follow together. There's a different prayer point each day, and we're all going to pray together powerfully for God to move. One prayer focus daily. And then uh, it's also going to be posted on the church Facebook page every day. I want to encourage you, if you're on social media, share those daily challenges on your page so it will inspire other people to pray as well. And then, of course, we have the seven-week sermon series that starts today. Uh, I want to congratulate you all. You have not missed a Sunday this entire decade. Great job. So don't miss a Sunday of this spiritual growth campaign. It's going to teach us how to more effectively pray and connect with God. I want to also mention right at the beginning that this 40-day focus prayer and 40 days of prayer was inspired by a spiritual growth campaign by Saddleback Church in California and Rick Warren. So I want to give them credit for that right up front. Uh, now, I'm not going to mention that every week, so I'm just going to say it today. This 40-day prayer challenge was inspired by Saddleback Church, and so I appreciate that. Thousands and thousands of churches have done this campaign, and it's been a blessing. So I want to give them some props uh, right out the gate. Amen? Now, the reason that we kicked the year off with a spiritual growth campaign is because your spiritual growth <coughs> is a critical part of your personal growth. And what better time to make that focus than at the beginning of the year when we are making personal growth goals. Now I know some of you are anti-resolution, anti-goals, anti-growth, anti-progress, anti-change, anti-bettering yourself. So I guess you kind of know where I fall on that spectrum. I do believe that everybody ought to at least have some goals. Man, that was kind of weak. If you can't say amen, then this sermon is for you today. Amen? Everybody ought to have some goals. You should have some financial goals. Getting out of debt or to start tithing faithfully or to save more money or to plan for retirement. You ought to have some financial goals. You ought to have some personal health goals. Maybe you might want to lose some weight or you want to eat better or you want to exercise more or you want to start walking or or standing more. You want to break some unhealthy habits. You should have some relational goals. If you're married, you might want to have a better marriage, but not just, oh, I hope I have a better marriage. What does that mean to you? And what action steps do you need to take? Maybe you need to fix some friendships or restore some relationships. Maybe you need to connect to some people in your church relationship-wise. Why in the world wouldn't anybody want to get better? If you got to live this life, it might as well be better than it was yesterday. Or last year, amen? And as a believer, I believe you should have some spiritual goals. Spiritual growth should be your greatest personal goal. Because hear me, most of the problems in our life come when we are being spiritually immature. Amen. If your spiritual life is out of whack, usually most every other area of your life is out of whack. A healthy spiritual life usually leads to balance in all the other areas of life. When we're not spiritually mature, what happens? We make dumb decisions. We make bad choices. uh, We make our decisions based on how we feel, which, by the way, is a terrible basis for making decisions. How many of you know and you've experienced it, that something that really upset you yesterday when you wake up this morning, for some reason, is just not as bad as it was yesterday? You sleep on it. You think about it. You kind of let it go. People say, well, I just feel like doing this, or I don't feel like doing it. Folks, your feelings can be wrong a lot of the time, and we can be manipulated by our moods. Amen? Mature people, though, make decisions based on truth, not just based on feelings. So let's go to the word of the Lord today for today's text. I just wanted to kind of let you know why we do this uh, campaign every year, uh, some type of campaign. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21. If you have your Bible with you, turn there. If you don't, you can look on the screen. I saw a meme that made me laugh this week. know," said, I know you're saved, but are you paper Bible saved? <laughs> In other words, do you still carry your paper Bible with you? I thought that was pretty funny because sometimes I don't really carry it with me. I like to read from my paper Bible at home, but I don't really carry it to church with me like I used to. And that's okay. We just need to have the Word of God in us. We're going to talk about that today. Ephesians 4.21 Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from Him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, everybody say instead. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, Truly righteous and holy. So today's message to kick off our series is this. A 2020 vision to grow. A 2020 vision to grow. Amen. Now, the Bible tells us that growth is God's will for your life and my life. How many of you know that babies are cute? Kids are cute. But you know what? A child that doesn't grow up, that goes from being cute to being tragic right? Unfortunately, it is possible for us to grow old biologically, but not ever grow up spiritually or emotionally. You and I both know a lot of people who are spiritually or emotionally or relationally immature, right? They never grow up. They grew old, but they didn't grow up. And God doesn't want us to be a room full of spiritual toddlers walking around in our spiritual diapers. Amen? I'm going to challenge you this year. Amen. God wants us to become spiritually strong. He wants you to be a man. He wants you to be a woman of God. Growth is God's will. And why is that important? Ephesians 4.14 tells us, Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown around by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Do you want to know why, I'm not going to preach on this today, but do you want to know why so many people and so many churches are falling for outright deception and blatant lies? It's because they're spiritually immature. They are believing stuff that 20 years ago you would have never believed you would see happening in a church, right? And I'm not going down the list today, but we all know this. It's because people are spiritually immature and they're believing, they're being tricked, the scripture says, with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. The scripture tells us though, we need to grow so we'll no longer be immature. Not tossed around by false teaching. Not influenced by lies and non-truths. We're not meant to remain as spiritual babies. God wants us to grow up. Amen. We're to grow up in Christ. Amen. Come as you are, but don't stay as you are. Is that all right, Amen. Don't stay as you are. Before we actually get deep into the subject of prayer during this series, I want to on this first Sunday to look at why we've got to endeavor to grow spiritually and we need to understand the reasons why it's important. There are spiritual principles that should govern our lives and there are ways we can grow as believers if we will institute and apply these principles into our lives. You need a vision, a plan, a strategy to grow if you're going to grow. So let's talk about that. First of all, If you want to grow in 2020, if you're taking notes, here's the first point. There's going to be five of these. Number one, we grow when we feed on God's Word. The Bible is your soul food. Now, last night, I knew we were getting ready to start a 21-day fast today. My favorite food, if I had to say one, is barbecue. Are there any other barbecue lovers in the house? All right. And so I went last night and I got me some brisket and I got me some ribs and I got me some collard greens and I got me some jalapeno macaroni and cheese. Amen. Yes, I did. My neighbor at the table with me got him some homemade Thai sausage. I had a bite of that. Soul food, good food, meat for the bones kind of food. Did you know the Bible is your soul food? Spiritually. We all know that you can't be physically healthy if you eat junk food all the time, right? You can't be spiritually healthy either unless you feed on the truth. We've got to feed on the Word of God. If all you're feeding yourself is Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and Fox News and CNN and MSNBC and whatever else form, if that's all your diet is, you are going to be one polluted, toxic believer. Amen? Let me put it to you this way. What kind of health would you have... If every Sunday, right after church, we all went down to the Jefferson. Anybody ever had their Sunday buffet? Their sun? I've only had it once, and Lord, I need to go back. i just thinking about it. Makes me tremble, amen? But what if you went, and that's what you ate, this big Sunday brunch buffet, and you just gorged yourself all day long, but Monday through Saturday, you didn't eat anything? Now, it would harm your health, right? You would not be a healthy person. But did you know some of us, that's how we approach our spiritual lives? We come to church at 11 o'clock on Sunday, and we dine from 11 until 1230. We have some worship, we have some word, we have some fellowship, and the rest of the week, nothing. That's not a healthy way to live. You've got to feed your soul. Not just once a week going to church. You've got to feed your soul a little bit every day. You are not going to have the strength that you need in order to do what God wants you to do in your life if you don't. Jesus said this in Matthew four fourteen. People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Amen. God wants you to feed on his word a little bit every day. Develop that habit. Feed on God's word. Now, let me just give you some practical tips on that. Pick a one-year reading plan that allows you to read the Bible, the entire Bible in a year. Pick a one-year plan that allows you to read the New Testament in a year. Be aggressive and take the 40-day New Testament challenge if you want to. The chart's in your seat. Now, personally, the reason why I like to follow a one-year plan, and this is just me, it helps keep me accountable to myself. It keeps me focused on actually reading the Bible, even the parts that I think are boring. Did he just say that? Yes, I did. Did you know there's a place in the scripture where where it says one of the kings of Israel, he couldn't go to sleep at night, so he asked the prophet to bring him. Yeah, part of the word that would make him sleepy so he could go to sleep at night. See, there's some part, some of you have never read the book of Leviticus. You gotten into 1 Chronicles and you made it three chapters and you said, nope, back to Matthew I go. (laughs) A one-year reading plan helps you read the Bible, amen? This year I'm going to do a chronological plan. I haven't done that in about 10 years, so I'm looking forward to that after I do my 40-day New Testament challenge. But here's what I'm saying, do something that works. All right, now, forget everything I said about a one-year plan. Maybe you're not that wired that way. Determine you're going to read the Bible five minutes every day. Ten minutes every day. Did you know 15 minutes every day for the average reader will get you through the entire Bible in a year? Just set the time. Make the plan. What was that? I heard, oh, Lord, manna from heaven fixing to fly in here. Amen. But the word of God will build you up. Amen. If somebody keeps hearing that, I know some of you concealed carry people in here. You might have to shoot a bird. I hear something in here. Amen. Oh, by the way, can I, get, can I just tell y'all, this church, you are safe. We have some people that are sanctioned to concealed carry in this church. They know who they are. They're petitioned strategically. I'm just going to say that. Because we want the people of the house of God to be protected, amen? Because it could happen anytime, anywhere to anybody, amen? So thank you. Thank you to those people that are doing that, amen? Now, let me get back on track here. If the only spiritual input you get is by hearing, like when you come to church on Sunday, you're going to lose much of that because we forget a large percentage of what we hear within 72 hours. Did you know that? Did you know by Wednesday you will have forgotten a lot of this message? Unless you happen to write it down. I just spent 12 weeks in the Ten Commandments. Some of you can't even remember what all the Ten Commandments are. (laughs) I'm just just keeping it real, okay? So that's why you got to read the Word every day. If you hear the Word of God, if you read a little bit every day, you're going to get a better handle on the Word. So if you want to have a 2020 vision for personal growth in your life, here's the first thing I want you to commit to doing. Make a commitment to read the Word of God every day. Now, why are we doing a 40-day campaign? Because it's been proven that you can develop a habit if you'll do something for 40 days. Three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, depending upon who you ask, they'll give you a different number. But I want to challenge you to prioritize the Bible in your life. Now, for some of us, that's pretty difficult. I'm going to give you a challenge. I'm going to make it practical. Why don't you make a challenge? Challenge yourself not to read email or social media, or anything else until you've read your Bible. Now, I wasn't expecting overwhelming amens. But if you want to see how much of a hold Facebook and Snapchat and Instagram has on your life, vow not to look at that until you read the Word of God. Mm, It's tightening up in here. This is almost as bad as talking about tithing. Amen. (laughs) I dare you to try. Seriously, I dare you to try it for the next 40 days. You're going to wake up in the morning, you're going to instantly reach for your phone, and you're going to realize, that does have a hold on me. Let me reach for my Bible first, or it might even be on your phone. Let me open my Bible app and spend a little bit of time in the Word of God. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Raise your hand if you say yes to this. It's not a trick question. How many of, at, how many of you at the end of your life would like people to say she or he lived a successful life? Not a trick question. Hopefully that's all of us. Because I don't want to be a failure and I don't want you to be a failure. I want you to be a success. Part of my job as a pastor is to help you succeed in every area of your life. In your finances, in your relationships, in your marriage, in your career, in your health, everything. And in the Bible though, did you know there's only one place where God promises and guarantees success? Let me put it on the screen. It's Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. Here's what it says is the key to prosperity and success. You ready? Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Study this book. Meditate on it. Obey everything written in it. And then look at that part. Only then. You might want to circle that part. Then... Will you prosper and succeed? Study it continually. So number one, we're going to grow when we feed on the Word of God. If you want to have a 2020 vision to grow, number two, we grow when we develop spiritual habits. I cannot overstate to you the importance of building good habits in your life. If you build good habits in your life, you're going to have good character. If you have good character, you're going to have great destiny. Your habits determine what you are, and what you are determines where you go in life. Let me say that again. Your habits determine what you are, and what you are determines where you go in life. Your character really is the sum total of your habits. Amen? For instance, you cannot say, I am a kind person, and I have the character quality of kindness, unless you're actually kind. And it's habitual to you. If you're only kind 25% of the time, you're not a kind person. Amen. If you say, uh, I have integrity and I'm an honest person. If you're only honest 75% of the time, you're not an honest person. You know why? You're being dishonest 25% of the time. Our habits define our character. We all understand the benefit of good habits. For example, when it comes to eating or exercise or or rest or or walking or, or whatever. But there are also habits that you and I need in order to grow in our spiritual lives. So over this next 40 days, I want you to recommit to some of those key spiritual habits. How do you develop habits? You develop them by repetition and by practice. Here's what Jesus said, John 13, 17. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. For doing them. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if what? You do them. If you practice them. You don't get, hear me, you don't get God's blessings just for knowing what to do. Amen? You get God's blessings for doing what you're supposed to do. You get God's blessings for doing the right things, for practicing the right things, for making it a habit in your life. And the way you build a habit in your life is two ways, repetition and practice. Why are we focusing on 40 days? I already said it. Study after study suggests it takes six weeks to develop a new habit. You got to do something every day, whether it's exercise or diet or whatever, to develop that habit. Now, for instance, and you already know, and I don't have to tell you this that to read the Bible a little bit every day and pray is a good idea, and it will definitely make you stronger spiritually. But a reason that a lot of us have a hard time with this is because we've never gone four, five, six weeks in a row without missing a day, right? If we're just being honest. It's hard. Some of us have never developed that habit because we've never done it long enough for it to become ingrained in us. It's not a habit. Here's what most of us do. Don't raise your hands, but... You read the Bible and you pray for a day or two or three, or or maybe you've already done it five days in a row now, January 5th. Then you read your Bible and you miss a day. And then you read it for two days and then you miss a day. Then you read it for a day and then you miss it for three days. It's just kind of how we do as people. And then maybe you miss a month. And you're never going to develop a habit because you've never done it for several weeks in a row. To develop it into a habit. What we want to do is try to develop some habits in our life. And you want it to become a part of your lifestyle. See some of you have had some good habits in the past. But maybe you've drifted a little. This is a perfect time to go back to what God wants you to do and get back on track. I am not here to beat you up today. I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to prop you up and lift you up and pat you on the back. And say this is a great time to get back on track spiritually. Remember the words of Jesus? Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Now what happens when you practice good habits? Look at this next verse, Hebrews 5.14. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Solid food is for mature people, amen? That's why I like ribs and... Beef brisket and tri-tips. Amen. Hallelujah. But you know what? Babies eat baby food, right? They eat go-gurt and yogurt. Go-gurt is yogurt on the go. I've learned that. Amen. Babies can't eat steak because they're not mature enough for steak. Solid food is for mature people, it says, who through training have the skill. Did you know nobody ever... Uh, participated in the Olympics and woke up there and said, I have no idea how I got here. How in the world did I make the team? No, 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 no. They've been practicing and planning and working and discipline for years, if not their entire life. I've heard people say, oh, well, they're just a natural born athlete. God's given them a gift. Yes, he has. But you know what? It still takes discipline to cultivate the gift. Because it's just as easy to be a talented athlete and then uh, be really great at, at fork bending. Amen. And next thing you know, all that talent just goes right out the window. We have to be disciplined. First Corinthians 9.25 says, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. Amen. I just read something about Tom Brady. Can I confess, I loved watching Tom Brady pouting on the sideline last night when the Patriots lost. Yes, that's coming from a disgruntled Dallas Cowboy fan. I recognize that. And I acknowledge that weakness in my life. Amen. But you know what? I heard something about Tom Brady. He's got a book. I haven't read it. It's called T12, and it's about the 12 habits. Tom Brady is a beast. This guy is 40 years old. He's been playing football how many years, somebody, 16, 15, 20 years? I mean, forever. And he's got all these habits, and he says he'd like to play for five more years. He's got a book, I want to read it. One of the things he does, the first thing he does when he gets out of bed is he drinks 20 ounces of water, before he does anything. Some of us don't drink 20 ounces of water the whole day. Amen? 20 ounces of water. Now, I don't know what else he does, but see, Tom Brady didn't just become Tom Brady overnight. I, if I remember correctly, he was a backup at Michigan as a quarterback and wasn't even a starter until somebody got hurt. He was a backup to uh, somebody for the Patriots before he got his opportunity. My point is, you've got to prepare yourself if you want to wake up and be great one day. Amen? The difference between successful people and unsuccessful people is that successful people put the time and energy into developing their habits. So I believe, and I'm going to quickly share with you, there's five non-negotiable spiritual habits that every believer must have. I've already shared with you uh, the first two, reading the word of God and spending time with God each day in prayer, which we're going to cover over these next several weeks. These are personal habits. But also, each of us who believe in Jesus Christ, we are called to find our place in the body of Christ. And we're to focus on doing what Jesus called us to do. What does it look like to find our place in the kingdom and to grow in a real relationship with God? Well, believe, we believe that it's simple, but it's intentional. It happens when we place ourselves in three environments consistently. Environments that we have boiled down at Life Church into three points, and you see them on the walls: gather, connect, and serve. Gather, connect, and serve. It's our vision. We we introduced it last year. There's Bible reading, there's prayer, and we've built the other three critical spiritual habits right into the vision of this church. We gather on weekends to worship and hear the Word of God. We connect in small groups in order to grow relationally and to become disciples of Jesus. And we serve on ministry teams and in our community in order to impact our world and remember that life is not just about us. Amen. You heard Amy talk about it today on her video testimonial. They go out and they serve that community. There's, and by the way, this is not just our idea. The very first followers of Jesus came up with this. Acts two forty six and 47 says this. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Amen. They worshiped together at the temple every day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. That's what we call communion. And they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. They gathered, they connected, they served. These three environments helped them shape their habits. So number one, we grow when we feed on the Word of God. Number two, we grow when we develop spiritual habits. Number three, we grow when we help others to grow. We grow when we help each other grow. Amen? You cannot grow to spiritual maturity all by yourself. It ain't going to happen. You cannot grow to be the person that God wants you to be all by yourself. You need me and I need you and we need each other. God wired us in such a way that nobody grows to maturity by themselves. If you grow all by yourself, you're going to be a lonely, stunted, spiritually immature person. The more you involve other people who are strong in the Lord in your life, the better you grow together. Hear me, don't miss this point. Spiritual growth is relational. Spiritual growth is relational. We are better together. Look at Romans 1 and 12. It says, when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. He said, I want to encourage you. But I also need to be encouraged by you. Paul says, your faith helps me. My faith helps you. You have to have other people in your life. God made us this way. I mention this quite often over the years. Did you know there's at least 56 one another's in the Bible? 56 commands that you cannot obey unless you are connected to somebody else. Amen. Amen. Care for one another, help one another, love one another, encourage one another, pray for one another, serve one another, share with one another, build one another up, be there for one another, on and on and on and on. You cannot do one another by yourself. Amen. 56 times God says the only way to grow is in community. The only way to grow is in relationships. And you can't do it in a large gathering like this. You need to do it in a small group of other believers. The Bible says the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. And the ear can't say to the eye, I don't need you. The body of Christ, one part can't say, I don't need you. You know what happens if you sever a hand from the body? The hand becomes worthless. And the body becomes handicapped. You pluck an eye from your body, that eye becomes worthless. And the rest of your body is hindered because that eye is no longer available to perform its function. You and I need to be connected in order to grow. You got to be connected. You know, the holiest, most righteous, most pure person is not the person who isolates themselves from other people and stays away from all the bad people. Amen. Doesn't work that way. Jesus made us to be with people. Jesus, look at his life. Jesus did not hide in a cave. Jesus was out in the marketplace. Jesus was going to parties. (laughs) Jesus was going to weddings. Most of what you see Jesus doing is hanging out with people. And matter of fact, he was hanging out with a lot of people that religious people would not hang out with. And one key way that we develop this habit of helping each other grow is by joining a life group. We already mentioned it today. There's three groups that meet three semesters per year. We've got the winter, spring semester, we've got our summer semester, we've got our fall semester. Winter, spring, summer, and fall. All you gotta do is sign up. Amen. And I'll be there, I'll be there. You've got a friend. Why is being in a small group so important? Because the number one thing God wants you to learn in all your life is to learn how to love. And not just love yourself. Amen? How to love God and how to love other people. We talked about that in the Ten Commandments. What's the greatest one? Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. You can't learn to love other people by sitting in your living room all week by yourself. It's good preaching, Pastor. Did you know the very reason why some people don't want to be in a small group is the very reason why you need to be in a small group. Ah, there might be some people in that group that disagree with me. There might be some people in that group who are kind of irritable. There might be some people in that group that are rude. That might be you. (laughs) Maybe you're that person. I don't know. You and I need to challenge ourselves by getting people in our life that sometimes think differently than you do. Get out of your box, amen. Can I just say to every Christian in this place, get around some people that think differently than you, that will stretch your thinking and that you can influence. Amen. Amen. That you can influence, that you can make a difference in their life. You need people in your life who sometimes challenge you who sometimes irritate you, that will also challenge our self-centeredness, that will teach us to be giving and caring and loving, that causes us to stop and think of other people. Did you ever stop to think that maybe those people need you, and it's not just what you need? Come on, We get so focused on my needs, my needs, what I want, what I want to do, what my schedule will allow. You know what? When you start thinking about other people, that's called maturity. And hear me, if you are so spiritual that you don't think you need a small group, why don't you help the rest of us and join a group and let some of that spiritually rub off on all of us heathens. Amen? Amen. Who are the most selfish people on earth in the real world? Babies. Right? Babies. I, 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 me, 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 give me my bottle, change my diaper, feed me, pick me up, put me down, hold me, leave me alone. Babies, toddlers, it's all about them. Everybody exists for the baby's needs. It's only as that baby grows up to maturity that it begins to think about other people. And you know, Christians are the same way. But unfortunately, some Christians never grow up. They're just stuck in, it's all about me. My schedule. Not your schedule. My needs. Not your needs. My problems. Not your problems. My priorities. Not your priorities. I'm tired when I get home from work. Who isn't? (laughs) Right? I want to spend time with my family. Who doesn't? Right? Going to church a couple Sundays a month is all I need. No, it's not. Amen. People want a blue ribbon just for showing up once a month anymore. What in the world is going on today? Amen. It's not just about your needs. We need each other. And we grow when we embrace that. Amen. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, Let us think of ways, look, to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Amen. i got to hurry. I'm running out of time. Number four, another way we grow is we grow when we expect to grow. Everybody say expect. This is the faith factor. Some of you are always expecting the worst, and guess what? That's what you're going to always get. Jesus said in Matthew 9, 29, According to your faith, so be it unto you. I think it's time for some of us to start speaking life instead of death. Start speaking faith instead of fear. Come on, somebody. Start speaking hope instead of hopelessness. Start speaking forward instead of backward. Do you realize that God blesses your life according to your faith? You get to choose how much you let God use your life. You get to choose how much your life succeeds. According to your faith, it will be done unto you. So here's the question I want to ask if you haven't even thought about it until now, is what are you going to expect to happen in your life the next 40 days? What are you expecting to happen in your life this year? What are you expecting to happen in your life this decade? I've been praying about it. I told the service team this morning, And I've come to the place where I believe it. You know what I believe? I believe between now and 2030, the next 10 years of my life, I'm speaking it and I'm believing it's going to be the greatest 10 years of my life. It's going to be the greatest decade of my life. I'm 53 years old. And when I'm 63 years old, I'm going to look back over the last 10 years and I'm going to say, that was the greatest years of life, church. That was the greatest years of my ministry. Come on, somebody. What are you expecting to happen in your life? Well, I just hope we don't get a divorce. I just hope I don't get laid off. I just hope I live to see uh, 2030. Man, go ahead and raise the bar a little bit in your life. (laughs) Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Quit letting the devil beat you down. Quit letting people beat you down. Quit letting your failures beat you down. Amen. Come on, I'm going to turn this baby around and I'm going to go forward in Jesus' name. These are going to be the roaring 20s in my life, baby. You need to set an expectation in your life. What do you want to have happen? What do you want to have happen? Because here's what I know. If you expect nothing to happen... Nothing is what you're going to get. According to your faith, it will be done unto you. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to highly recommend to you, go home this week and set some goals. Make a prayer request. Make a faith declaration. This is what I want to see God do in my life in the next 40 days, in the next year, in the next decade. It may happen, it may not happen, but I know it's not going to happen if you're not pursuing after it and believing God for it. Amen. And then in conclusion, and I want the praise team to come on up and the band, come on up. You grow when you commit to grow. Number one, we need to feed on the Word of God. Number two, we need to develop spiritual habits. Number three, we need to help others grow with us. Number four, we need to expect to grow. And last point, we grow when we commit to grow. Hear me, God does not move and bless you by your complaining. God is not going to be moved by your moaning and groaning, by your griping or your complaint. Just look at the New Testament. I don't have time to do it. Jesus didn't just go by and touch everybody that was dead. He raised up the ones where somebody came and said, hey, will you come pray for my daughter? Jesus didn't just heal every blinded eye. Jesus healed the ones that came to him and sought healing. Jesus responds to faith. Not our moaning and groaning, our griping, our complaining. So we grow when we commit to grow, when we intend to grow. Here's what I know. This is good news and bad news. Growth is a choice. It's a choice. Spiritual growth is not automatic. And I know we live in a day of cheap grace where we don't want, we don't, uh, you're making this about works. No, I'm not, but I am making this about discipline and goals and expectations you can grow older without growing up I want to grow up we have to choose to grow we have to choose to do the right habits we've got to choose to make the effort you can't just want to do it you've got to commit to do it so now let me ask you a personal question a year from today how different do you want to be how different do you want to be Do you intend to be stronger or still stuck in the same problems you're in right now? Do you want to be more mature or do you want to still be right where you are right now? Because guess what? It's your choice. It's my choice. Do you want to be healthier? I'm not just talking about spiritual goals. Do you want to have a better marriage? Do you want to have stronger friendships? Do you want to mentor another believer? Do you want to win somebody that doesn't know Jesus to Jesus Christ? Come on. Do you want to lead a life group? Do you want to make a difference? What do you want to do this year? And how different do you want to be? I want you to stand with me all over this house. Here's what I know. And I say this with great love. A year from today, some of you are going to be much better people, much stronger people, much more mature people than others. But some of you are going to be the exact same. Still stuck in the mud. Some of you are not even going to be here. Because you you know what? I'm not serious about this. I'm not serious about this growing business. I'm tired of them talking about groups. Tired of them challenging me to join a team. Tired of them saying I got to love other people. Peace out. Let me go find the first church of the refrigerator that'll just tell me what I want to hear and leave me alone. Nope. The question is, what do you want to be? What do you want to do? Do you want to make a difference? Because here's the bottom line. Are you ready? You're as close to God as you choose to be. You're as close to God as you choose to be. It's your choice. If you feel far away from God, God did not move. You're as close, I'm as close as we choose to be. Well, if my husband, if my wife, if my parents, if my job, if my finances, if my schedule, you're as faithful to God as you choose to be. See, we gotta stop blaming Somebody or something else. Because growth is a choice. And here's the good news and the bad news. You get to choose how much you grow this year. You get to choose. (laughs) That's great news. That's also very scary news. I get to choose. I get to choose if I want to get up a little bit earlier and read my Bible. I get to choose if I'm going to pray in the car. I get to choose if I'm going to listen to worship music or music that that contaminates my soul. I get to choose what I watch on TV. Is it feeding me or is it tearing me down? Amen. I get to choose if I'm building God-centered relationships or not. I get to choose if I'm serving other people. I get to choose if I'm going to go to the gym or if I'm going to eat myself into a frenzy. I get to choose. I get to choose. So the question is today, do you want to grow? On this first Sunday of the new decade, do you want to grow? And if so, how bad do you want to grow? What are you willing to do to grow? Are you willing to fast? Are you willing to knock the dust off your Bible and start reading again? Are you willing to talk to the Lord faithfully? And we're going to spend the next six weeks talking about prayer and communion and relationship with God. Are you willing to make church a priority in your life and not just something you do when you feel like it? Are you willing to be here every Sunday unless you're at work or sick or on vacation? How much do you want to grow? Are you willing to join a small group? Are you willing to lead a small group? Are you ready to serve on a dream team or to volunteer in the community? Are you willing to try to cultivate these habits for the next 40 days, which will become 60 days, which will become the rest of your life? Here's what God says, and he put it pretty brightly in Jeremiah 29, 13, and 14. And I love it from the message. Are you ready? Look at this. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) When you get serious about wanting me more than anything else, I promise you, you won't be disappointed. God's decree. I'll turn things around for you. I'll bring you back from all the countries into which I drove you. God's decree. Bring you home to the place from which I sent you home. Count on it. Write it down it. So I'm going to open up this altar and I'm going to invite you to step out from where you are. And I'm going to invite you to say, you know what, God? Maybe I didn't read my Bible faithfully, but this year I'm going to try to read my Bible. Maybe I haven't always talked to you. I haven't prayed. I haven't started my day in, in communion with you. I'm going to pray, Lord. Maybe I've been a little selfish and I, I've, I've kind of pushed people away when I need to be pulling them in, God. I'm going to love other people. I'm going to bring them into my life. Come on, somebody. Maybe, maybe you need to make some Take better care of yourself physically. God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do better physically. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of myself emotionally. I'm going to work on my marriage, my friendships. I want you to come. On this first Sunday of the decade, the slate is clean. What do you want to be? What do you want to do? How much do you want to grow? How much do you want to change? Help me, God. Help me, God. As the praise team begins to sing, let's find a place of prayer. Let's recommit to the Lord. Let's invite him in. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us today, Lord.